What's up? What's up with it? Not a lot. You excited? Um, yeah. Are I, you even? Are you even thinking about the rest of today? Are you only thinking about the trip when we get there tomorrow? I'm thinking about today because I have so much to do before we leave, and I keep having stressed dreams. You know about shit that I'm forgetting, things mm-hmm. that I need to do. You know, broken shoes, so I'm walking with a limp. I don't know. What are these the things? You these are about? the things I've been stressing about. Yeah, I know. So what time do we leave? It's early, 11, right? Eleven twenty. Eleven twenty. On a Saturday. Yep. So we still have time to like do stuff when we get there. Yeah. So that's exciting. We're going to be there at like three. Yeah, that's not bad actually because we don't have to wake up yeah. super early. I should probably know some of these details, but that's why Kitty I'm going to do that, that check-in soon. I did the hotel check-in yesterday. Got the flight check-in today. I feel like an asshole. People don't want to hear about our travel. Yeah, they do. You think? No, they don't. No. Bunch of suckers and losers. Easy. Easy. These folks, the KC Morning Hoes, Kitty, they live vicariously through you and me. When we find that big apple, we all have found the big apple. What, what else are we doing? <laughs> We got stuff. What are we going to be wearing? Because I feel like this is a hell of a transition to say that Fridays on your KC Morning Show, styled, always styled by the homies over at Charlie Hustle, KCMS20. That's your promo code. Yeah, what are we going to be wearing? We wearing some Charlie Hustle? Well, you We bring a Chuck to NYC? I'm not taking any KC uh, anything with me. Well, you know, we're not going to be those sore losers. We're not going to wear Chiefs gear. I thought about it. But I, I might have just like the heart pin, you know, or something. But that's about it. I was gonna be that guy. No, I was gonna I, wear. I'm gonna walk ahead home of you. I'm shirt. Gonna walk, um, no, I'm gonna walk fast ahead of you. Then <laughs> why don't you wash some of that Chiefs gear, okay? Fridays we just kick it, hanging out with friends. And on the show today, Dan Cohen. He is with KSHB 41. Just talking about life, talking about the news of the day, just talking about Kansas City, telling some Kansas City stories. Dan's a homie of mine. I thought that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. And then also on the show today, Katie Stetzel. She is a TV film editor over at youngfolks.com. Also, we went to high school together. LOL. That was fun. Nice. I don't know either of these people, but they both follow me on the internet. So... Do you follow back? That's the question. Are you team follow I think so. I think so. I know who's important. I'm teeing them up. There we go. It is a damn good day to be a Kansas Cityan, yeah? Yeah. We got shows on Monday and Tuesday. We're going to go ahead and still release some stuff. Even though we're going to be gone, we got you covered, KC. Come on. My name's Hartzell. That is Kitty. We'll see you in the morning, yeah? I mean, will we? Tuesday morning. I guess Wednesday morning, actually. We'll see you in the insert day moment. Bye. Bye. Greetings, Hartzell. Search the force and a tremor I have felt. It was you. 
Your ego just busted a planet. The KC Morning Show. We've been knocking out a lot of first-timers this week on the show, and I, I love it. I am digging it. He's the guy that does the digging, like investigative reporting. And, Dan, it's too early for me to try to make these connections. Dan Cohen, KSHB41 News, my brother, welcome to the show. I was so close to maybe making that work. No, Hartzell. That was, like, right on the nose, and sometimes <laughs> being close is good enough. So that was a lovely intro. It is wonderful to be here with you. Looking forward to a good conversation. I got so much I want to break down with you. I think your your work is important now in whatever we're calling this thing, the new normal, the new whatever, news, truth, knowledge, facts. Let's just be real. It's kind of under assault, my friend. How are you navigating this new this new era and tack on top of that a pandemic? Yeah, you learn as you go, right? It's been really hard. I moved here a month into the pandemic. Everything was closed, literally. It was kind of like I was walking into a ghost town, like the tumbleweed is going across the old Western street and there's nobody there and you hear like the foreboding music. And you learn as you go. And, you know, a few months into finally getting my feet under me, George Floyd is murdered in Minneapolis and we see the ripple effects of that right here in Kansas City. And I was on the ground, on the plaza, in the middle of all that on Friday and Saturday night. I lost my pepper spray, checked that off the list for the first time. Um, And that was really intense and really scary. But like you said, truth, facts, you know, bringing that to people, that was critically important. And you go through it and you really become a play-by-play announcer, forgive me, providing a sports analogy here, but you're really just painting a picture for people and presenting the canvas. It's like, here's what's on the canvas. Decide for yourself what you think the canvas is. Something that I'm still trying to figure out, you know, you really are the middleman. You are providing people an open door into something, anything that they might not know, haven't seen before. It's a challenging job, but I think it's rewarding and important work to be that person that people can rely on and trust to know that you're not only bringing them the news of their community, but you're a part of the community as well. Well, yeah, you say that, but even the middleman is a person, you know, and you're and you're now navigating a new city as the world is just on fire. I mean, personally, yeah. how do you try to, I guess, how did you put that together, I guess, is the question. Yeah, because I'm an extremely empathetic person. So detaching yourself from the people that you talk to and the people that you cover is very hard because you can't you can't project your feelings on them into the story. But you can still ask empathetic questions and get good answers that will really color in the story as well. You can be an empathetic reporter without letting that poison your work, I guess, is what I'm saying. Perfect example, I I was just inside the ER and ICU at St. Luke's on the plaza a few weeks ago. And, you know, I was just having conversations with the nurses at the nursing station and the doctors on on the nursing floor. And you, you just ask questions that show that you care, but you can't inject yourself into the story, I guess, if that makes sense. So I can be an empathetic interviewer without making it all about myself, I guess, if that makes sense. And I will be perfectly honest and upfront. Uh, This work is incredibly draining. It's very hard. 
And I started seeing a therapist a year ago because I needed a non-biased third party observer to help me sort through my feelings and separate the work from the worker, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, you need to be kind to yourself and you need to be kind to your work as well. So kind of dividing that has been very hard, but I think I'm getting the hang of it now. And you need to let people know when you talk to them that you deeply care about them and you deeply care about the community, but your primary objective is asking questions and getting the viewer all of the information that they need to make judgments for themselves. We do bring our biases into this thing, especially now we're realizing, you know, there are certain lines in the sand, I believe. Yes. Like the misconception of broadcasting school, you know, two sides of every story is a bit of bullshit. I think it just depends on the topic, right? I mean, if part of your story, I'm really just thinking off the top of my head because, you know, this is something that we grapple with, especially now. Um, There are certain stories, angles, topics that don't have two sides. They just don't. You know, when it comes to talking about what happened on January 6th, we're seeing a complete distortion of what happened, and yet we both saw the same thing. And that, to me, is concerning. There is no two sides to that. It is very clear what happened. And as someone who is a proud member of the Jewish community, that is also something that does not have two sides. When you're talking about the erasure of the Holocaust from our education system, there is no two sides to that. And that actually was... A major news story. There was an educator, I believe it was in Texas, you can correct me if I'm wrong, who said that we must teach the Holocaust from a point of neutrality. But there is no neutral teaching of an event in history where six million people from one faith were wiped off the face of the earth uh, as a result of a politics and a worldview that is fueled by lies. And so there is no two sides to that. And you can cover it as a two sides issue. Uh, You can cover it as something else, but not a two sides issue. So I think when you talk about what we teach young journalists and what professors in journalism schools are confronted with, the classic two sides approach, I think, needs to change a little bit. I think we need to embrace our role as fact checkers even more than we used to. Dan, where is uh, where's home for you at? Southern New Jersey. I am right across the Delaware River from Philadelphia. Um, My dad is originally from Philadelphia. My mom is originally from New York. And they met in Philadelphia, moved across the river to New Jersey, and raised their three kids there. Parents are still in the Philadelphia area. My sister's in the Philadelphia area. My brother's in Washington, D.C., and I'm out here. So I I guess I I can say that I was the middle child to... uh, fled to the Midwest and it's easy for them to get out here when you're close to a big airport. It's not so bad when you have air travel to visit family. Is it everything you thought? The Midwest, Kansas City, Missouri, maybe what are you putting together about Kansas City that maybe you had no idea before? So it's funny when people ask me where home is and they're like, oh, what brought you out here? I'm like, the job. And they're like, what do you think of the Midwest? And I'm like, well, I lived in Illinois for six years at my first television job in Rockford, Illinois, which is a small market west of Chicago. And I was there for six years and it's very Midwestern there. Everyone's very nice and things are a little slower than on the East Coast. So I was already a Midwesterner 
for six years before I moved to Kansas City. And the thing I love about this community, this city, is that you feel like you're part of something that's different from anywhere else. And people are very proud of that fact. I described on another podcast I was on about a year ago, I said, Kansas City is a very confident city with a chip on its shoulder. And I think that that holds true now being here for almost two years, because this city is trying to be something that nowhere else is. It's not trying to be a big city like Chicago. It's very proud of what's here. And I love that there are different neighborhoods with different attitudes, different characters, different things that you can enjoy. I live downtown, but the West Bottoms is right, you know, across the way. That has its own attitude. Crossroads, Waldo, Brookside, everywhere else. Like you're in different parts of a quilt. And each neighborhood is a square of its own, but it's knitted together in this big tapestry that is Kansas City. and. I just love it here. Everyone is very welcoming. There are hardworking, good people here. But, you know, like every big city, it has its flaws. And I think the people that really love it here are working to smooth out those flaws and make this community a better one. So I think that's what I love about Kansas City the most. Favorite stories you've done, favorite profiles, or maybe it was just a story that you didn't cover. What has given you that, that fire as you're still doing this thing in Kansas City? Yeah, great question. It's just meeting different people with different backgrounds who all have something different to offer to the city. I think the one thing that I've latched on to is there are a lot of really prominent folks who are from here, but their backgrounds infuse their work. This was a recent profile that I did. The gentleman who performs as Kermit the Frog and Big Bird and the Count on the Muppets in Sesame Street is from Kansas City, Kansas, and got his start at the Mesner Puppet Theater here in Kansas City. And I only found out about this guy because there's a brand new documentary that came out about the history of Sesame Street, which we watched religiously as children in my house. And I was like, hmm, I wonder who's currently doing this work right now. Find out about Matt Vogel, who's from KCK. And I was like, I've got to get this guy. He's from here. Like, I need to know his story. So I reached out to the Sesame Workshop in New York City, and they're like, yeah, we'll get you a Zoom interview with him. Had him unfiltered for 30 minutes and got to hear all about his work. Reached out to the Mesner Puppet Theater, talked to them. And what was funny is that as part of the story, I wanted to include his work from Sesame Street and the Muppets. Fastly discover that they are owned by different entities. The Sesame Workshop is its own thing in New York City. The Muppets are now owned by the Walt Disney Company. So I had to reach out to Disney Public Relations in Burbank, California. And I'm like, hey, I interviewed my friend Matt. And we want to showcase his work as Kermit the Frog. Here's a YouTube clip. Can we use it in our story on television? And about... 15 emails and phone calls later, I got clearance from the Walt Disney legal department laying out exactly what I could use, how I could use it. I was working both coasts here in Kansas City on one profile. I'm like, this is the hardest process I have ever encountered for one profile, but they both signed off on it. I slapped courtesies on every piece of video I could find just to make sure we didn't get a cease and desist letter in the mail. And it turned into this lovely profile of 
a guy who got his start here. His family still lives here and he's doing incredibly important work. And it's funny, it was right in the middle of when uh, certain members of the Republican Party were attacking Big Bird for promoting the vaccine effort. And I just rolled my eyes and kept going. And it wasn't part of the story. But what I made sure to include in the story is that even though these are puppets, these are institutions in this country that are incredibly important in educating young minds and teaching them about feelings, relationships, and their numbers and their letters. And I made sure I got that point across without getting into the mud about puppets promoting vaccines, because that had nothing to do with that story, if that makes sense. So that's a recent one that I had a lot of fun with. And I've interviewed a lot of other really prominent folks who are from here. And it's it's amazing how many big names have come from here, but they're very proud to be from this part of the country. See, this is how I know you're professional, my friend, because I would have told Kermit to kick rocks. I'm going to hit play on this footage, but you are buttoned <laughs> up, Dan. You dot your I's, you cross your T's. Uh, yes. And there's a reason why you've got the awards and I've got to cease and desist. <laughs> Before I let you go, my friend, you are out there. You see our folks. You're telling our stories. Man, where are we headed? Are you, are you feeling like it is... Still a good day to be at Kansas City, and I say that every show. Am I just blowing smoke? Oh, I think we have a lot of good things coming our way. Chief among them, and I know that we talk about it on TV a lot, but I really think this is going to be a game changer. The new terminal at the airport is going to be an enormous boost for the city because it's going to be an even bigger entry point for more people to find out about what we are, who we are, and where we're going. We have the NFL draft coming here. That's going to bring so many folks to the city and to the community. And this was interesting. You know, you, I lived downtown, and when the Chiefs were making their way through the playoffs and were doing this before Super Bowl 56, so I'm a little bitter. But I got to meet and talk to countless Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Buffalo Bills fans, Cincinnati Bengals fans who had never been here, and they were only here to see their teams play the Chiefs in the playoffs. And everyone was struck by the city and what it has to offer and how nice the people are and where it's going. And they all wanted to come back for a future game or something else. And they were asking me, you know, where can we eat? Where can we sightsee? And I gave them all these different things and not the usual stuff either. Right. It was not just the World War One Museum. It wasn't just Union Station. I was like, the Negro League Museum has something for you to learn and for you to go home with and think about. And that community at 18th and Vine has something for you to learn about and think about when you go home to Pittsburgh, Buffalo and Cincinnati. So I think people have had their eyes opened a little more of late to what we have to offer and where we're going. And while I'm on here with you, speaking of the Negro League Baseball Museum, one of the reasons why I think we're in such a strong position is people like Bob Kendrick. That guy is one of the most important people the city has to offer right now. And he has such an enormous platform nationally to not only educate people about the history of the Negro League baseball scene, but to let people know about Kansas City too. He is such an incredible ambassador for us and we need more people like him to tell the story of the city and not just the surface level stuff. 
it's the stuff beneath the surface that people need to know about too. That is also you telling those stories, <laughs> letting people know. I'm trying, Art. That is trying. you, my man. Tell these folks where they can find you. I was on the mornings, and now I'm on in the evenings, Monday through Friday. So uh, our 10 o'clock news on KSHV 41 uh, at 10 o'clock. You'll watch my work there. Uh, social media, Dan Cohen KSHV on Facebook, at Dan Cohen TV on Twitter, and at Dan R. Cohen on Instagram, which is primarily populated with pictures of my one-and-a-half-year-old dog. But for other professional shenanigans, you can follow my work as well as the work of all of my uh, great colleagues at uh, Channel 41, too. Thank you for what you do, brother. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Hartzell. It has been wonderful meeting people like you and getting to know people like you. And you are part of the reason why I love this community so much. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's Good News Week. Someone's dropped a bomb somewhere, contaminating atmosphere and blackening the sky. It's good news week. Someone's found a way to give the rotting dead a will to live, go on and never die. Have you heard the news? What did it say? Who's won that race? What's the weather like today? It's good news week. Lots of blood in Asia now They butchered up the sacred cow They got a lot to eat It's good news week Doctors finding many ways Of wrapping brains and metal trays To keep us from the heat Someone's dropped a bomb somewhere Contaminating atmosphere and blackening the sky It's good news week Someone's found a way to give the rotting dead A will to live, go on and never die Have you heard the news? What did it say? Who's won that race? What's the weather like today? What's the weather like today? It's good news week Lots of blood in Asia now They butchered up the sacred cow They got a lot to eat It's good news week Doctors finding many ways Of wrapping brains and metal trays To keep us from the heat To keep us from the heat To keep us from the heat You're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. The KC Morning Show. Katie Stetzel, once a Titan, always a Titan. I don't know if you remember this, but when you gaze across the open plain, you'll you'll see a, a glowing flame, a flame of wisdom, pride, and honesty that is that is the home for both you and me, Katie Stetzel. Hi, Hartzell. It's good to be here. Were, were those the lyrics to our school song? Our loyalties lie with what two colors? The what? Uh, silver and blue. Katie, it's the silver and navy blue. All right. Na- silver and navy blue. You know what? It's fun. <laughs> Katie Stetzel, she is just doing the damn thing. TV critic, media analyst, works for the youngfolks.com. You can see all of her reviews. In fact, she's got some TV reviews coming out today that we're going to be talking about. But she's been featured in Inverse, The Pitch. Congrats on everything. I guess, how you doing? I'm doing good. Watching a lot of TV, watching a lot of movies. 
and writing about them. You know, since all this ridiculousness started, has that been something you can lean on or was it something that, you know what, I got to hit pause and go experience fresh air? Um, no, definitely. There's a lot of binge watching shows like in the first couple of months of COVID, especially during the workday. I think the first show I binge watched, though, was Degrassi, The Next Generation. It still holds up, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely still holds up. <laughs> Is this something that you thought she'd be doing? Yeah, I think so. I started, I actually started like criticism, film and TV criticism in high school for the Titan Scroll, <laughs> which was mostly born out of, I was pretty shy. So I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't actually want to interview people for newspaper stories. So writing reviews was the next best thing. But then it just kind of followed me like through college, wrote for that university paper. And then, you know, now we're here in the digital space, online freelance writing. Yeah. How does someone even get into this space now? I mean, everyone now has a blog and everyone has a podcast and everyone wants to break things down. And you can go to YouTube now and see all these just weak ass surface level takes from people who mm -hmm. I don't think know what they're talking about. How do we enter this? How do folks like you who actually know what they're talking about? How do you enter this thing now? It's so weird and honestly, like constantly changing. I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is that do you know the app Letterboxd? It's like a movie review app. It's not a website where anyone can be on it and you can you can write the reviews on movies as you want or can they can be like joke reviews. But it's not just for critics, like anyone can be on there. And one of the weirdest and such like depressing things I've noticed is that publicists and the people who make movie trailers and stuff, you know how they like will quote reviews in their trailer sometimes they've now started quoting just random reviews on letterboxd from like people who aren't even critics that's gotta be frustrating right that's gotta be just yeah. infuriating i i'm on twitter a lot that's where i find a lot of like freelance opportunities so that's kind of how i'm navigating what are you enjoying as you are maybe trying to find your own niche? What you watching? I will say, I know you're a big Star Wars fan, and I will say that I've not been watching The Book of Boba Fett. Katie, what's wrong with you? <laughs> How do you even decide what you start? In fact, you've got a review out that we're going to talk about. When you've got so much stuff, where do you even start? Uh, well, the internet is a great place to start. Is it? Um, is it? Actually, it is. If you know how to Google, you can Google what's, what's coming out. For the young folks, I'm also a TV editor, so I do a lot of like assigning of TV shows. So that's what I usually do when I'm trying to figure out what shows are coming out. The site is called theyoungfolks.com. I've been writing for them since June of 2016. And then last year, our TV editor stepped away because they got a like a new job. No one was interviewing for that position. So I was like, hey, I've been writing here for like five years now. I love talking about TV. I would love to be the TV editor. And the editor-in-chief was like, great. We did like an interview, but it's kind of like a formality. I think our whole deal at the website is for young writers and young readers, essentially. I think our biggest thing that I like about our site is giving new writers opportunities to write where they might not, you know, get them at some of the bigger publications. So we get a lot of people just coming out of high school or still in college writing for us who are still trying to shape their writing voice and their analytical critical voice when talking about TV and movies. That is one of the biggest things I like about 
that site. Let's go ahead and break down what you got on the site today. Some new TV out? Yeah, there's a new TV show out today. It's called Inventing Anna. You might have heard about the story. The show, it's a limited series from Shonda Rhimes on Netflix. And it's based off of an article, a New York Magazine article that came out in 2018 about this fake German heiress who like scammed Wall Street basically by claiming she was, you know, some rich German heiress and whatever. And she wanted to start her own business. And anyway, she ends up getting caught. The article came out in 2018 and was pretty fascinating. And then Shonda Rhimes picked it up and now it's a TV show on Netflix. What do you think? <laughs> I'm recommending it to people to watch because I do find the story fascinating because who doesn't like watching a story about someone scamming a bunch of rich people but the show's actually not that great <laughs> in terms of like execution there's so much content on Netflix and honestly a lot of it has like the same general like bland feel to it and this one definitely has that I'm wondering you know is is this something you want to do not just covering the tv or covering the movies do you want to end up directing anything do you see yourself writing for the screen or maybe you are more the spectator what do you think definitely probably maybe <laughs> tv screenwriting actually is what i went to school for kind of well it was creative writing but that was what i focused on so yeah i'm always like thinking of new script ideas and writing half of them <laughs> Katie Stetzel, she is a TV writer slash editor for youngfolks.com, but you've seen her name all kinds of places. The pitch as well. Plug those handles. Tell these folks where they can find your work everywhere. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Katie Pretzel. Well done, brother. Yeah, that's been a thing since like elementary school. <laughs> Katie is K-A-T-E-Y. You know, we're always posting new content up on the youngfolks.com. If I didn't write it, I edited it. So we have a lot of great writing from some young writers on there that are like up and coming in the business. So check those out. With freelance writing, it's like never a for sure deal. So my name will like pop up somewhere else eventually. And I know it's tough. It's a grind, my friend, but you're good at yeah. what you do. Keep doing it. Yeah, please keep Thanks. doing it. And I can't wait. I'm not kidding. I can't wait to watch your stuff on the TVs. That's going to be <laughs> awesome, my friend. Watch party okay. at least some at West High School. How about that? Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> Would love to go back there. Mr. Tanner was a cleaner from a town in the Midwest. And of all the cleaning shops around, he'd made his the best. But he also was a baritone who sang while hanging clothes. He practiced scales while pressing tails and sang at local shows. His friends and neighbors praised the voice that poured out from his throat. They said that he should use his gift instead of cleaning coats. But music was his life, it was not his livelihood. And it made him feel so happy, and it made him feel so good. And he sang from his heart, and he sang from his soul. He did not know how well he sang, it just made him whole. His friends kept working on him to try music out full-time. A big debut and rave reviews, a great career to climb. Finally, they got to him. He would take the fling. A concert agent in New York agreed to have him sing. 
Collecting its phone calls Money spent to rent the hall It took most of his savings But it gladly used them all But music was his life It was not his livelihood And it made him feel so happy And it made him feel so good And he sang from his heart And he sang from his soul He did not know how well he sang It just made him whole The evening came, he took the stage His face set in a smile And in the half-filled hall The critics sat watching on the aisle But the concert was a blur to him Spatters of applause He did not know how well he sang He only had the flaws But the critics were concise It only took four lines But no one could accuse them Of being overkind Mr. Martin Tanner, baritone of Dayton, Ohio Made his town hall debut last night He came well prepared But unfortunately his presentation Was not up to contemporary professional standards His voice lacks the range of total color necessary to make it consistently interesting. Full-time consideration of another endeavor might be in order. He came home to Dayton and was questioned by his friends. And he smiled and just said nothing And he never sang again Excepting very late at night When the shop was dark and closed He sang softly to himself As he sorted through the clothes Music was his life It was not his livelihood And it made him feel so happy It made him feel so good And he sang from his heart And he sang from his soul And it did not Show.